Amen. Last week we studied who Jude was and how he told his readers to be careful with false teachers and not to be deceived. And he told them that if God wouldn't spare the angels, why would he spare us if we're disobedient and if we don't do what he asked us to? And you know, sometimes we might need to remind ourselves of that. We think, well, God's a loving God and he's a forgiving God. And yes, he is. If it wasn't for that, there wouldn't be a plan of salvation. But we also need to remember that even the angels were not exempt from his wrath, from his judgment. So if we don't live for him, we're going to suffer the same judgment. And we read 1 through 10, so we're going to pick up in, in uh, verse 11. So it's Jude. There's only one chapter, 25 verses. And I'm going to just read the one verse and then I'll let y'all sit down. Jude, verse 11. Says, Woe unto them, for they have gone in their way of Cain and ran greedily after the era of Balaam for reward and perished in the gangsang of Kareem. You can be seated. Woe. Woe unto them. If you look it up, it just says, Great sorrow or grief. Great sorrow to them that go chasing after things of the world. Now, I don't know about y'all, but before I got saved and I was living in the world, my life was not that much fun, was not that great. And even though I didn't know that what I lacked was Jesus Christ, I knew that, and Karen mentioned that this morning about the boys, I knew there was something missing. Something in my life that I wanted, but I didn't know about. I didn't know how to attain it. I didn't know how to get it. And as Christians, that's where we come in. We are that link from the sinner to Jesus to show them God's love. We have to let them know that there is a God. And don't assume because we live in the United States that everybody knows about God and Jesus because I'm a living example, we don't. There are people out there that don't know about Jesus Christ and His plan of salvation. So we have to be the ones to bridge that gap and let them know so that they can be saved. Now, we can't get them saved. That's between them and God. But we can tell them about His love and about the plan of salvation and then let them make their choice. You know, I even said they perished. Eternity is going to be forever. And this life is going to end and we follow after anything but Jesus Christ. Our life is going to perish the presence of God. And that is going to be a very lonely, sad eternity to live. It's going to be an eternity in hell. Verse 12 and 13. says, These are spots in your feasts of charity. When they feast within you, 
feeding themselves without fear, clouds they are without water, carried about of winds, trees whose fruit we're with, without fruit, twice dead, plucked up by the roots, raging waves of the sea, foaming out their own shame, wandering stars to whom is reserved the blackness of darkness forever. Be careful who we hang out with because it could affect our lives and how we live. You know, when we're growing up and our parents say, you're not going to run around with them, they've got a bad reputation. Well, they don't do that just so you can't have fun. They do that for a reason. Because if you hang out with them long enough, you hope you will change them, but most of the time, they change you, and they'll drag you back into the world. But since spots in our feast of charity, spots in our feast of charity, is this saying that when we're not obedient to God and we dabble in the world that it affects our testimony? It affects how people look at us and it can hinder the goodness that we try to do in Jesus' name. How many times have we looked at somebody and said or thought, well, I thought they were a Christian. And it's because what they were doing, may, they may do good sometimes, but other times they're doing worldly things. And you look at them and, you, and I, I thought they were a Christian. Well, they're not acting very Christ-like. People watch us. That was said this morning. People watch the Christian life. And when we're not being Christian all the time, 24-7, we can blemish our own testimony by how we act when we're out in the world. Spots on our feast of charity. You know, it can hurt our testimony. It can hurt our character. How we act, and I'm going to go a step further than that, how we react. You know, we can act good when everything's going our way. We can be nice when everything's going our way. But what about when somebody comes up against us that may have a different opinion or may not even, they may not be saved. And believe it or not, people will test your Christianity. They'll push your buttons to see how you're going to react to them and what they say to see if you are a true Christian. How do we react to people? Well, they hurt my feelings. I'm going to hurt theirs back. That's not Christ-like. That's what the world would do. That's not what Christ would do. So it's not just how we act, but how we react. Verse 14 and 15 says, And Enoch, also the seventh from Adam, prophesied of these, saying, Behold, the Lord cometh with ten thousands of his saints to execute judgment upon all and to convince all that are ungodly among them of all their ungodly deeds which they have ungodly committed and of all their hard speeches which ungodly sinners have spoken against them. The Lord is coming back whether you believe it or not. 
the Lord is coming back whether you're prepared or not. And if you're not prepared, then you're going to be judged for all the things that you've done. And for all, it says, for all the idle words, it's not just what we've done, but also what we've said. Sometimes we do good things, but do we speak good things? What about us so-called Christians when we stand before Him? You know, we need to think about that. Some of us are the church of God. Some of us play church and put up a good front. God knows. Man may not know the difference, but God knows the difference. So don't think that you're fooling Him at all. Because if you're not living the life that you're supposed to be living, you will stand before Him and be judged. But what does the Bible say about so-called Christians? Where do they stand? Now, look at verse 16. These are murmurers, complainers, walking after their own lust. Their mouth speaketh great swelling words, having men's persons in admiration because of advantage. Murmurs and complaining. Grumbling about your brothers and sisters in Christ. Complaining. Even if it's just to ourselves, because remember, God knows everything. Nobody else may hear you complaining about somebody. I was so glad Karen said that this morning. We need to be careful what we call other people. Because I don't know about y'all, but I once was a sinner. But now I'm saved. We were all sinners. I don't care how good you were. I don't care how nice you were to other people. Unless you've been born again, you were a sinner. We were all sinners. So who are we to look down on another sinner? Only by the grace of God have we accepted that plan of salvation. We need to be careful. Complaining. I think this is a nation. No, this is a generation of complainers. We complain about the weather. We complain about our jobs. We complain about our neighbor. We complain about not having enough. We complain about our kids. We are a generation of complainers. And it says right here, those are the ones that aren't going to make it. So the next time you want to gripe about somebody, is that worth maybe missing heaven over? Because it's something you need to think about. It said our own lust. Chasing after our own lust. Now when we hear that word, the first thing that comes to mind is sexual. But to lust after something doesn't have to be sexual. It can be putting anything above God. Yes. How many times have we heard people say, well, they're just trying to keep up with the Joneses? 
We're not happy with what God gives us. And there is nothing wrong with wanting better. Don't jump on that and say, oh, she said you should want better in your life. There's nothing wrong with that. But when that is your main goal, then yes, there's something wrong with it. When you're trying to outlive your means, that's not what God's got planned for you. God will meet every need you have if you'll trust Him. He'll take care of that. But we have to realize we need to be content with what God has given us. Chasing after our own lust, that could be wanting a new house, a new car, social status. It could be anything that we put before God. Said our mouths speak great swelling words. How many people do we know, and I hope we're not one of them, that will just build you up and build you up and make you think you're just Mr. or Mrs. Wonderful and then stab you in the back or take something that belongs to you or take advantage of you. We need to be careful about the words we speak. And I don't know if, how many of you know who Charles Katz is, but he was a pastor. And he did a radio program. And one of the things, like a two or three week program about what we speak. Be careful what we speak. And he talked about what we speak is what we claim. And when we say, and that has always stuck with me because I walk around saying, I am so tired. I am so tired. I am so tired. And I was tired. Why? I was claiming it with my own mouth, bringing it on myself. We need to be careful what we speak because it can make a difference in our lives. Our own mouths be great swelling words. Don't flatter somebody just to get ahead in the world. If you want to flatter somebody, tell them how good God is. Tell them what God has done for you. Tell them how great He is. How He sent His only Son to die for us so that we could have salvation. I am so thankful for the plan of salvation. Because without it, for one thing, I wouldn't make heaven. But Jesus Christ fills my life so much every day. And I try to be so thankful for all the blessings that He gives us. Not just my car, my house, my job. But I try to be thankful for the flowers that are blooming in my front yard. I try to be thankful the squirrels that I watch when I drive back and forth, we all, Larry, I think, got upset with me because when we were coming from the prison, there's a tree line, and we're always looking at little red-tailed squirrels. Well, a car was coming toward me, and a squirrel was coming across, and that's what I did. I said, Woo! and of course, the car missed it, and I hit my brakes and swerved, so I went too. I'm thankful for those little things. Have you ever sat and watched two squirrels play chase up and down a tree? Those are gifts from God. But do we take the time to enjoy them? 
and to watch them. See, God doesn't just give us all this stuff. He gives us little stuff to enjoy too. But sometimes we're so busy, and if it's not big stuff, it's not important. Well, yes, it is. The, the fall colors in the fall, how beautiful the red, yellow, and oranges are. There is so much out there that we have to be thankful for. Be careful what we speak with our mouth. The truth is a truth, and a lie is a lie. Doesn't matter if it's a white lie or a big lie. But there is also the lie of omission, a half truth. Well, we don't tell the whole thing. That's why I think sometimes when you go to court and you stand up there and they say, do you swear to tell the whole truth and nothing but the truth? The whole truth. Sometimes we as Christians, we think, well, I'm not lying because what I said is true. I just won't tell them everything. Well, there is a lie of omission. And we will be just as guilty for a lie with that as we would with telling a lie. God is never going to change. He is. Well, best I remember, you start trying to change the Word of God and you're putting a curse on yourself. So be careful. It said do battle. Fight. Contend. You know, do battle against the people that's going to try to change that Word of God. Keep your guard up. We talk about discerning of spirits. You ever been somewhere and your stomach just kind of tired in on it and you think, I don't need to be here. Something's just not right. That's God trying to talk to you. Keep your guard up against false teachers. Because if you don't, they're not going to come in and say, I'm fixing to tell you a lie and I'm fixing to lead you astray. They come in sneaky and unaware. So we have to keep our guard up. Verse 17 through 19 says, But beloved, remember ye the words which were spoken before the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ, how that they told you there should be mockers in the last time who should walk after their own ungodly lust. These be they who separate themselves, sensual, having not the Spirit. Jude's telling us, or he's telling his readers, that there are going to be people that come in that's going to try to destroy what you have learned or what you have been taught that's going to try to cause division in the church. And it's because of their own worldly lust and desires. You know, most people will tell you they don't want to live for God because they don't want to quit doing what they're doing. I like drinking. I like partying. I like doing this. I like doing that. They don't want to be saved because they don't want to change their ways. And yet once they get saved, 
They look back and think, why did I even want to do that to start with? So we have to be careful because how many of us, when we first got saved, and we told our friends that we had gotten saved, tried to get us to do something, just one more time, it's not going to matter. Come party with us. You can go to church tomorrow. Come party with us tonight. And if we're not careful, they'll drag us back into the life that we had before. Most of the time, probably all of the time, we have to change friends. Because the friends that we had before we got saved don't understand our plan of salvation that we have accepted. They don't understand how Jesus came into our heart and filled that void that we were looking for. They don't understand that party is not the biggest thing to us anymore. Living for Jesus Christ is. Because we have to change our friends and adopt into a church family that we can worship with, that we can pray with, that we can fellowship with, that will help keep us built up and keep us strong. So the world, they're going to chase after the world. That's what they want. But as Christians, we need to be chasing after Jesus Christ. Following Him. Seeing what He wants us to do. Seeing how we can get closer to Him. Verse 20 and 21 says, But ye be loved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying for the whole, praying in the Holy Ghost. Keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. Keep yourself prepared. Keep our faith strong. Be obedient. Why is that so hard for us to do? Be obedient to God. I wonder how many times he looks down here and he looks at us as a bunch of rebellious teenagers. Anybody that has raised a teenager knows it doesn't matter how good that kid is, they still have spells where we can't do anything right as a parent. We don't know anything as a parent. We're just out to ruin their life and they want to do it on their own. Sometimes we are rebellious teenagers to God. And probably me more so than anybody. Be obedient. And as true followers of Jesus Christ, we will receive God's mercy and grace and have eternal life with Him. And isn't that what a Christian should be striving for? I'm not striving. I'm not living. God blesses me beyond measure. He meets my needs. He gives me some of my wants. He blesses me. But that's not why I'm living for Him. I want to spend eternity in heaven. I want to see Jesus face to face. I want to be able to walk with him like he walked with Adam and Eve in the garden. 
just a scroll. I'm striving for eternity reunited with God someday. And in doing that, God blesses me along the way. Verse 22 says, And some have compassion, making a difference. Some have compassion, making a difference. When you're having a hard time, do you want somebody to come up and say, well, you deserve it? Or do you want somebody to come up and say, brother, let me help you? God gave compassion to each and every one of us by sending his son down here to die for us so that we could have salvation. How many times have I messed up as a Christian, sometimes not on purpose, but sometimes willfully that God has forgiven me. When I go to him and say I'm sorry, he says that's okay. Just do better next time. Do we treat our fellow man like that? Or do when they mess up, we hold them down? We tell them how wrong they are, how they've messed up. And I'm going to tell you something. The devil is real quick to come in and tell a Christian that has messed up, you can't be forgiven for this. Who are you? Why would God forgive you? You've had it all and you've messed up. They're going to hear that from the world. What they need from the Christian family is that we love you. God loves you. So you messed up. We all messed up. Now, people think that because you're a Christian, you don't ever make a mistake. That you don't ever mess up. Well, I'm here to tell you right now, I'm a living example. I've probably messed up more than anybody sitting in here. Not because I wanted to, but because I'm human and I mess up. But I'm so thankful that I have a loving God that when I go to Him and say I'm sorry, He loves me so much. He puts His arms around me and He says, that's okay. We're going to let this one go. What do you tell the woman at the well? Go and sin no more. That's all he wants us to do is do our best. And when we mess up, come to him and ask for forgiveness and start over again and do better the next time. We have to show our God's love to other people if we're going to draw them to him. Why would somebody... There's a couple that Larry and I know that bicker a lot. And we have made the comment to each other, if we wanted to listen to that, we could stay home and fight within ourselves. If people look at Christians and they're not living the life, why do they want that? They've already got that. They want something better than what they already have. How many of us want turmoil in our life? How many of us want worry and stress in our life? We don't. I don't know about y'all, but I want the peace of God in my life 
so much more than stress and worry. So when people look at me, and I'm supposed to be a Christian, if I'm all up in the air about everything and anything, why would they want that? They've already got that. They're looking for something better. They're looking for the Christian that can have peace in the middle of the storm. They're looking for somebody that even though their world is falling apart around them, they've got that joy of the Lord knowing that He's going to be with them through it no matter what. That's what we need to be projecting out to other people. Verse 23 says, And others, save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garment spotted by the flesh. Some people will be saved by love. Some people will be saved by the fear of going to hell. We have to speak the truth. We have to make them realize that God is real. And we're so quick to talk about heaven. Heaven is real. I think they even made a movie. Heaven is real. But so is hell. You can't have one without the other. And everybody likes heaven because that's a good place. There's even a movie called that I heard. A show or something. The good place. Yeah, that's a good place. That's where we all want to go. But there's requirements to get there. And if you don't meet those requirements, you're not going. And when you go to the fair or the carnival, they got those little rulers. And you have to hit the height on that yardstick before you can ride that ride. And if you're supposed to be here, and you're down here, they're not letting you on that ride. There's requirements that you have to meet. Well, if you want to go to heaven, there's requirements that you have to meet. You have to be born again. You have to accept Jesus Christ as your Savior. And then you need to live for Him. So there's requirements. But we talk about heaven all the time. Oh, it's a good place. Everybody wants to go to heaven. But I'm going to tell you, everybody's not going to make it. And that goes back to choices. You can choose. And you say, well, I'll wait. No, if you don't choose Jesus Christ, you've already made your choice. There is no waiting. You choose where you want to go. And goes back to omission. You think, well, I'm not going to decide. There is no middle ground. There is no undecision. You need to decide to live for Christ. And if you don't, then you've decided not to. Your choice. We're to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ and help win souls to Him. That's our responsibility as Christians. Verse 24 and 25 is now unto him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceedingly joy. 
To the only wise God, our Savior, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. Amen. The only way we are going to be faultless is to accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. Because until we do that, there is sin in our life, and we're going to have to answer for it. We have to believe that Jesus died on the cross for our sins and that he rose on the third day and that he now sits on the right hand of the Father. We have to accept his plan of salvation. The only one, he's the only one with the power to save us. We cannot save ourselves. We can tell ourselves we're a good person. We do everything that's right. We don't mistreat people. We don't lie. We don't steal. We don't kill. And that is all good. But until you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you are just as much on your way to hell as the person that gets out there and steals, kills, and destroys. You have to accept Jesus Christ into your heart to be saved. We need to always, always acknowledge that. We need to give Him all the glory and all the praise for all the good in our life. I don't think we can thank Him enough. For that matter, the breath that you're breathing now is a gift from God. Not just the squirrels and the flowers and your job and your car. Every beat of your heart is a gift from God. And we need to be thankful. We need to acknowledge that. We need to quit taking the little things for granted. Because those are just, what do they say, icing on the cake? We need to remember who we serve. Jude tells us to watch out for people who will try to lead us astray. And not just think because somebody's fooled us that that gets us off the hot seat. You know, I can come in and say, well, I did that because somebody lied to me and I believed them. And so I did it. Well, God kind of gives us common sense. We should pray about it. We should seek that discerning of spirit. And just be following somebody. Satan tricked Eve. But it didn't keep her from getting kicked out of the garden of Eden. Satan will trick us. He'll do it through somebody else, another human. That doesn't get us out of trouble with God. Because we chose, she chose to take a bite of that fruit. We choose to dabble in sin a little bit. We choose the things that we do. So don't, we can't say, well, Sister Janet hurt my feelings, so it made me want to hurt her feelings back. She didn't make me do anything. I'm just, I can see you from here. She didn't make me do anything. I chose to retaliate. And what does it say? Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. It's not our job to retaliate. 
let God take care of that. I'm going to tell you, He'll do a whole lot better job of it than you ever will. And when He's done, they're going to know that God is an almighty God. When we do it, we just look like somebody claiming to be a Christian that really isn't. Let Him take care of it. It's just our responsibility to read and pray, to stay in tune with God so that it does so that we don't retaliate. And I'm not going to say that we don't want to, because we're human. And believe me, when someone says something hateful to us, it's human nature to want to say something back. But it's the God in us that keeps us from doing it. So how much God in us do we have when that situation arises? It's easy to snap back. Sometimes it's harder to be godly because the human side of us wants to take control. But he tells us that if we are led astray, we're going to pay the consequences for it. Adam and Eve didn't get off the hook. Satan didn't get off the hook. He got kicked out of heaven. And don't think that just because we call ourselves Christians that when we do stuff we're not supposed to, that we get a free ride because we don't. He tells us that we will be judged for our griping, our complaining, our being wishy-washy about the Word of God. I'm going to tell you something. There is nothing wishy-washy about this. It's in print. Him talking is in red. And it is what it is. We can't change it. We can't add to it. And we can't take away from it. It's a true word of God. And you better be living by it if you want to make it to heaven. So, Jude tells us that we're to be out there trying to win souls for Jesus Christ. Are we? Oh, I'm a Christian. And I live right. But how many people am I trying to witness to to win to God? And yeah, they watch my life. But you can watch from the outside and never be invited in. People can watch my life from the outside. But how many times do I say, come on in? Let me share this with you. How many times do we witness the people about the love of Jesus Christ and how good He is? And then take it a step further than that. We can talk about how good He is all we want to. Well, you're a Christian. God's going to be good to you. But how many times do we say, and He loves you and He wants you? to be part of His family. He wants you to accept that plan of salvation. He died for you. Not just me, the Christian. He died for everybody. But there are so many people out there that think I've done so much. I've been so bad. I've hurt so many people. He would never want me. So they stand on the outside and they look in wanting what you have got. 
And it's our responsibility to open that door and say, guess what? He did it for me and he'll do it for you. He loves me, but he loves you just as much. He died for me, but he died for you. Come on in. Accept what he's got. Because it's just as much for you as it is for me. We need to be doing more than just living the life in front of them. We need to be telling people how good He is, but we need to be telling people it's for them too. He forgave me of my sins. He's going to forgive you of yours. Jude wanted people to be able to know the love of Jesus Christ. Beware. But go out there and fight for Jesus Christ. Tell people about His love. When's the last time that you witnessed and invited somebody to church? And the thing of it is, they may not come to church, and even once they get saved, they may not come to this church. That doesn't bother me. I'd like for them to come here. But if they're hearing a true word of God somewhere, then that's the most important thing. Not that they come to my church, but that they hear God's word. How faithful are we to the church? How often do we make an excuse not to be here? And how many times have we heard there's reasons and there's excuses and we know the difference? We're going to be held accountable for everything we say and do. When I stand before Him, I want to hear well done. And then, He tells the people that Jesus is the only way to make it to heaven. But also, we need to praise Him and thank Him and never take things for granted. I don't ever want to take God for granted. I don't ever want to take His blessings for granted. Because I'm going to tell you, He gives them freely, but He gives them home. Have you ever done something for somebody? It's not because you want gratitude, but you've done something for somebody and they could have cared less. That hurts your feelings a little bit. Especially if you've really put yourself out to do something for them. Well, how often are we with that attitude with God? If He gives you the very breath that you're breathing, your heart beating, and we kind of just tend to take all of His blessings for granted, how does that make Him feel? If we never stop and thank Him, pass the song. I just want to thank you for the flowers and the trees and the family shoes on my feet. We need to thank Him for everything. We need to never get so busy that we're too busy to thank God, that we're too busy to talk to God, that we're too busy to read His Word. When we start getting too busy for all that, we may be too busy to make it to heaven. So, Jude wrote that letter to try to prepare 
to make the people understand. This word was written a long time ago. It's called the living word of God because it's still in force today. It's still for us today. It will still be for my great, great, great grandkids after I'm dead and gone if the Lord doesn't come back. This will always be in force. This will always be where we need to go for all the answers. This is where we need to go to learn about God, about Jesus' plan of salvation. This is where we need to go when we're having a problem and we don't know the solution. Read it for yourself. Read it for yourself. How many times have I written down scripture, the verse and the chapter, and maybe transposed numbers or got the wrong chapter? I'm human. I was reading the paper the other day and I like looking up scripture. And they put the name and the chapter and the verse and I looked it up and I thought, where are they at? They're not getting that at all. They're, it wasn't the scripture. Well, I got to looking and what they had done was put the colon in the wrong place. They had the third chapter in the 16th verse. Well, it was the 31st chapter in the 6th verse. Just one misplaced colon made all the difference in the world in what scripture you were reading. So read it for yourself. Don't take somebody else's word for it. But beware. Beware of false teachers. But then, share compassion with other people. And to me, the most compassion you can have is to tell them about Jesus Christ and how He loves them, how He died on the cross for them. Our responsibility is to spread the gospel. And then you get to choose whether you do it or not. Like I said, it's all about choices. Your choice. Your choice on how you live. Your choice on if you accept Jesus Christ. Your choice if you share the gospel. But you will be held accountable for every choice you make. Brother Roger, that's all I got.